Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. We are on episode number 45, flying into the new year now for 2022. And I'm delighted to say our next guest is Anthony Kelly. Anthony Kelly, if you don't know him, is the founder and chief customer officer at Glowfox. I hope this is up to date or he's going to go through me and we're going to update all this (laughs) as we go along. Um, Glowfox was founded in 2014, which now supports thousands of customers over 30 global markets. Anthony is also a qualified solicitor. I'm interested to get into that and see why he changed and worked for many years in a large global firm. An expert in client care and customer experience. Anthony manages all the key accounts at Glowfox and builds the customer organization from the ground up. Anthony is also the founder, here's where you might know him from, from Europe's largest fitness and wellness festival, Wellfest. Wellfest takes part annually in Dublin, Ireland, and attracts over 10,000 visitors, and I'm sure there's more than that. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Thanks, Tom, and thanks for the really kind uh, introduction there. Um, so Anthony, if we just, I like with all our guests, we'd like to probably jump back and talk a little bit about growing up in childhood. So just give us a bit of an aspect of what that was like for you. Yeah, so um, I suppose it all it all started for me in 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 a place called Tala in in, in Dublin. That's where I'm um, originally from, and that's where my my dad's family are are all from as well. So um, mom and dad are both um, you know uh, entrepreneurial and work for themselves and um, their their whole life. Uh, they're both involved in different aspects of of healthcare, so I suppose that's probably where the the interest in wellness and that that type of side of life really probably became a bug for me from a from a very early age. Um, so yeah, they were always sort of supposed to the the inspiration in terms of of hard work and and you know and living a life like that. Um, so um, yeah, so lived there till I was probably around fifteen, and then moved to a place called Temple Oak um, in in Dublin. So. Uh, very much uh, Dublin born and bred, but my folks are from from Dublin. My mom is from uh, from from Crumlin, so strong strong roots in in, in the capital, um, as they say. But yeah, I would have would have learned a lot from from my parents, which I think stayed with me kind of throughout life. And Anthony, were they big on you getting a good education, or were they like get straight into business, or what was their thoughts? Yeah, it's it's, it's actually a really interesting question. So um, my mom, when she was when she was young, she worked in um, uh, on a reception desk. Sorry, in a, oh, sorry, sorry, jumped in there. Um, she worked on a on a reception desk. It was a chocolate factory in Tala called called Ernie's Chocolates. And uh, she said to me that um, people used to always come in in those days and they just ignore because she was on the reception desk. And there was one one lad who came in that was really nice to her that always. You know, was polite, and she asked him, like, you know, like, just started asking him, and he mentioned that he'd gone to school in a place called uh, Tarrenure College. So my mom, from the very early age, she's like, "If I ever have sons, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send them there," because she was really impressed with this one, this one guy. So I ended up going to to school there. So my parents obviously paid for me to go go to Tarrenure, and then to be honest, they were they were very much, um, you know, let me pick my own way through life. There was never any pressure in terms of what I should do or you know, trying to direct me in certain ways. They were always happy for me to to make my own decisions and, and talk to them about that. But education would have been a, a big thing they would have encouraged. But if I'd have said, look, I'm not going to go to college at all. I'm going to go to work. It would have been as equally as, as, as happy with that. So, 
and have so that support in whatever decision you are were kind of made because as you mentioned earlier I did make some big life-changing decisions after going and qualifying as a lawyer and stuff like that so it's always good to know that you have the support of family when you do make these decisions I'm sure they were probably pulling their hair out at the time but they <laughs> they acted in a supportive way and Anthony when you were growing up would you have I suppose been getting aspects of like a little entrepreneurial bug from your parents and going do you know what I'd love to have my own thing at some stage or was it head down college what's next um yeah I think I always wanted to to do something for myself I just I just wasn't too sure um what what that was I I left school in 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 2000 um and you know at that stage there wasn't really the I suppose the entrepreneurial scene or the kind of network that that there is now so there wasn't a very clear path if you wanted to start your own business this is kind of where you go everybody was just going and doing uh, business degrees and I did I did business and law so I think a lot of at the end of that the universities they were really just churning out lawyers and and accountants and I think that was sort of the path that a lot of people that were interested in business went on at, at, at that time um, and it's, it's amazing a lot of the like the friends that I have that qualified as lawyers that qualified accountants are now doing something com- completely completely different because they can see a different path is open to them to use the the skills that that they learned and, and I think that's one of the, probably for me, you know, what I say to a lot of people when they kind of say, oh, after doing, you know, this course of, you know, four years, I'm not sure I want to do it anymore. You can never look at something as, you know, a waste of time or you didn't learn something. All skills are transferable. You gain valuable life experience. So, you know, never feel it's too late to make a change or to start a business because I think starting a business like in your 40s, you've got such an advantage, like you know exactly what you who you are, first of all, you know exactly what you want to do. Um, and you're probably, you know, have a clearer vision of how you want your, your company to be than in, in early age in life. So I feel like that life is kind of a of a, of a journey and, and all time is valuable, even if it was the wrong thing for you. It's, it's actually easier to figure out what you don't want to do than what you yeah. want to do sometimes. So probably by process of elimination, you can you can get there. Absolutely. And Anthony, so if we talk about doing your business degree and then going into uh, solicitors, lawyers, were you like, great, get a job at a big firm, like it's going to be, I'm going to be well paid, this is going to set me up, or what was that like? Yeah, so um, it probably comes back to the to the welfare thing. So I was always really interested in in events and, and actually live, live music um, at, at the time, and I was doing a lot of work um, on that when I was in college so I would have been hosting um kind of events in in college so I did the I did the UCD ball when I was there which was a big kind of live music event with like 5,000 students um and then I did a few tours of new new artists around colleges so I, I was really really enjoying that and um but I couldn't kind of see a path forward in in that really in a, in a career um and and I was studying um law um and, and business as I mentioned I caught thought an area that I might like to get into would be sort of you know intellectual property copyright you know artist management that that sort of thing so um sort of decided to to double down on the law and I was lucky enough to get a a traineeship in in Matheson who were one of the largest firms in 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 Dublin so um I went in in there um in it was around 2007 um and yeah had a had a great great experience there and learned a lot it was around the time of the of the financial crisis, so it was just a really interesting time to be in in law. And I worked in in litigation in the quarter. The state was kind of falling apart. There was court cases going on every week. The numbers in billions were just were just racking up. So it was an interesting viewpoint at that time to be around the four courts and to be in 
involved in law. And I was really lucky that I had, you know, a steady, you know, traineeship and a salary at that point, because a lot of people were, you know, weren't that lucky around that time. So, um, and, and um, so I was there for about four, I think it was maybe five years um, in total. And at that stage, I started getting that and kind of nagging feeling that this wasn't going to be for me in long term, but I was trying to figure out what the, what the next move was at, at that point. Yeah. And were you, so when, when you were in working away, I suppose, where it was it events or can I set up a side business, a side hustle or like, how did the fitness, I suppose, come about and Wellfest team come all about? Yeah. So it was actually, so actually the, during that time, I just started getting a, a real interest in, in, in technology because it was all, it was all starting to happen around that time, you know, apps were coming on, on online and, um, I got an opportunity to go and work um, in a business um, that was doing um, mobile apps for small businesses, um, and I just really liked the idea of that of a of, of you know trying something different. I was really actually into it, like I was doing a lot of um, kind of self study on on marketing and social media at the time because all that stuff was sort of coming to the to the forefront, and I always kind of knew that I could I could sell. So I thought something like that with a kind of a business development role. Um, focus on technology and marketing would be a really good good way to go so I decided to go and, and pursue that um, that startup idea and that's how I kind of left I left law um, and it was actually through that then that I met my my co-founders in in, in Glowfox and they had a, a web and app development business um, in in Dublin so that's how I kind of I met them kind of through that kind of path um, and then Wellfest came a, a little bit later so I always kind of talk about kind of coming full circle then back back to the events then after that. So it's a little bit of a zigzag journey, to be honest, Tom, rather than a straight line for yeah. sure. And I don't want to say you kind of brushed over there, but I'm sure at the time, leaving a decent job to go to a startup was a big enough decision. Yeah, it was. Like, I mean, it, it, I, I suppose why, why I kind of, how I got there in the end, you know, I kept kind of thinking, because like, I could see there was a lot of really great stuff happening in, in, in technology and, especially in Dublin around that time was really the start of the kind of ecosystem. And a lot of the companies that are unicorns now were all kind of starting to incubate around that time. So you could, you could kind of get a sense that there was, there was a vibrant energy or something happening in Dublin, which continues happens to today. But then I was sort of thinking, oh, look, this is total grass is always greener stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm sure they're probably looking in going, I'd love a job as being a, a lawyer with a good, a good career as well, you know? So, um, but what happened to me was, and I kind of explained it like this, we were I was dealing with a lot of large corporates and businesses really interesting clients in in law but I just started being more interested in what they were doing than in the legal services that I was providing to them I could just that's how I'd summarize so I'd start asking questions and I could tell them kind of looking at me going why are you asking me this this is really how I'm going to do it you know I'm into instruct you about a contract or about a court case or whatever it is so I started realizing that that was much I was much more passionate about that side of it like how did they build their company why did they structure it in that way you know, you know, what was the backstory than the, than the legal service. So at that point, I kind of knew, look, something isn't, you know, this isn't going to work for me um, in, in the long term. So I need to go and try the business thing and see how I see how I go at it. Um, I felt at that stage that I had, you know, I was experienced enough as a lawyer that I could bring that to whatever I was going to do. And I had a wealth of experience. And if it didn't work, you know, not the safety net was there, but I could always go back and I, you know, I wouldn't be just starting from scratch again. I kind of garnered enough enough knowledge so I probably put it as it's probably a, a calculated risk I suppose is how I kind of weighed it up in 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 my head um so and I didn't have a, a family or anything at, at, at the time you know so that that sort of helped I think as well 
Yeah, no, I just, I know some of the listeners of this podcast might be on the fringe of maybe thinking of maybe setting up their own business, maybe jumping into a new career or whatever it might be. And I'm always fascinated in, I remember, I thinking back to, I felt so nervous handing my notice into Gap when I worked for Gap as a manager. And I was like, well, I'm going to college to do fitness. What, what's going to happen? How am I going to get money? X, Y, and Z. And I just know that fear sometimes can stop hold people back. So that's why I'm fascinated by it. So talk to us about the early stages, I suppose, Anthony, jumping out of law into Glowfox, what that was like. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, I met, I met my co-founders and they had a web and an app an app development business and um i the, the business i i had kind of gone to join i could see that um it was going to be challenging because where how we were developing the technology a lot of it was 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 offshore and and we were trying to go after quite a large like customer base in in all small businesses um so um so ended up meeting with the guys that that had set up in glowfox and they had a, a kind of a prototype in a in a gym of what later kind of became Glowfox with, with one customer. Um, so we just sort of we we hit it off um, in terms of, of business relationship. We started working together and we were selling consultancy services at the time. So developing app and uh, apps and, and web products for different different companies. But we kind of wanted a business a product that we could resell and then turn into a into a platform and we look the three of us were really passionate about about fitness um and uh, connor who's our ceo was a was an ex-professional rugby player so you know when it came to making the decision of well what what should we go and do we should say well look, let's try and solve a problem for the for the fitness industry this is something that we can all get behind and we, we kind of recognize the type of people that are going out and setting up gyms and studios and i think you'll probably remember this tom so this is around 2014 15 so it's kind of at that stage when CrossFit has just exploded and everyone has sort of realized I don't have to have a CrossFit, but it's quite easy now for me to open up a fitness studio because I don't need to have a huge space. I don't need to buy equipment. I'm well-trained enough that I can run really good classes and give programs to people and I can do it like anywhere. So we sort of, we kind of spotted that the boutique as it ended up being called and the boutique studio trend was sort of, was sort of taken off at the time. And we looked at the, the market, we didn't see, anyone that was really doing it like exceptionally well especially on the international side there were some u.s competitors so um we kind of said look let's let's go with this and we with some great um supporters in in ireland in, in the early days that kind of helped us kind of build out the product and we started with 10 10 gyms and you know we soon got to 100 and it just kind of kept it kept growing from 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 there um and you know it, it's it, because it's fitness and because it's it's something that's relatable it, it you know and then you can see the businesses being successful on the back of it and the impact on the on the end member as well you know more people actually say to me like oh i use your app to book my classes it's great i never miss my classes i actually get more of that now than, than anything else which is a which is a lovely feeling because they're not my customers directly but they're they're still it's impacting their lives and they're able to book in for their for their exercise using the using the platform yeah, it's great because I think back to when I was delivering classes in Dundrum and there was a software we use and let's just say it wasn't the best. And I hear I still hear people cursing about it today. And it's great to see that. And Anthony, just talk to us a little bit about like growing from like 10 to 100. Was that like, let's focus on Ireland first. Or we're going to focus on Europe or US because you're these are globally now. Yeah, so we, we was initially Ireland um, and and I think. I think it's because Irish companies like we can't really, 
we have to kind of have a global mindset, especially in, in the business we're in or a software platform, because there just isn't enough businesses in Ireland to, to sustain the growth and the ambition that, that you have. So we were always like immediately like, OK, the UK, let's look to the UK. Um, and then, like, you know, uh, uh, Google ads and, and Facebook ads were starting to be established at, at that time. Google were, were already established. So as soon as you go online, you can start you, you start to pick up, you know, inbound leads and interest from 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 other countries. So we ended up getting dragged into markets like Australia and and even as far as Singapore and, and Australia, because people were looking for a, a solution. Um, and one of our early decisions was to was to partner with Stripe, which was a really, really good decision for us because of the, the global reach that they have and the ease that which you can you can kind of um, you can set up payments with them. So the combination of those three, I think us being international, um, you know, focused um, the, you know, the, the fact that the software had the same function and people had the same requirements in different markets and, and we could offer payments anywhere that kind of allowed us to kind of scale some international growth pretty early on and it was those sort of i suppose green shoots then that started to get investors interested and enterprise ireland backed and that sort of thing where they could see that okay this is this is something that can be you know it's going to scale outside of ireland and these guys seem to have an idea of 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 what they're doing um so i think that that's how it came about more so and and interestingly enough we actually ended up scaling in like in the us a little bit quicker than we did in the uk in the early days um, primarily because the US was easier to do phone sales with um, and just, you know, they get an online demo and they'd buy where the UK was a little bit more resistant to that. They kind of wanted somebody to come out and talk to them and show them the, the, the software. And it's, it's changed a lot now, but that's sort of, that was our early sort of bit of resistance in, in, in the UK. And one of, one of the early, I think the earliest um, wins that we had, we went to a, a trade show, it was called Leisure, Leisure Industry Week. And we used some of the fun, initial funding we got from Enterprise Ireland. And we got a grant of it was less than 100K. I, I can't remember the amount, but we used most of that to go over there. And um, we got, it was a great buzz. People were really interested. Like They were like, whoa, this, we haven't seen anything like this. It looks cool. It's really easy to use. And I think we did about 10, 10 sales at it, which I think is still our record of any trade show because you just don't sell a trade show. So yeah. I think even to this day, that's the most we've done. So we came back and that was like, that was just really, really encouraging that we were like, okay, there's a lot of interest in this. People see there's a need for it. And, you know, we were able to make some sales. So I think that was our first sort of validation point along the way that we were doing something right here and we just needed to kind of to, to double down on it and um and then boutique fitness just became so so strong after that when you look at some of the brands now like the f45s the exponentials i mean they're just huge companies you know some of them have ipo'd and you, you couldn't really imagine that you know six or seven eight years ago that that would have been the way it went that actual you know class-based businesses would have gone that strong but they definitely there was a, a, a something missing from the, the traditional gym experience that they just managed to really nail yeah, i read a very good book on um boutique fitness called sweat equity i don't know if you've uh, it's a girl from the states wrote it but very interesting on that side i'm probably going to zigzag back and forth now anthony two things just oh. to pick up on there yeah um, you go from 10 clients to 100 clients i'm very interested in like growing staff and like like what if it's the Glowfox started off with how many I'm looking at your LinkedIn. It says you've 179 staff now. Like that's a big deal. Mm. Like that's for me, like taking people on managing all that. That's, you know, just talk to us a little about, about that growth of the business. Yeah. So, um, 
that I think that it's 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 one of for me it's 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 one of the hardest things, but it's definitely the most one of the most rewarding things. But um, you know, the way I suppose they describe it is going to like going to 10 is like a, a massive step, and then it's sort of increments after that. So then you get to 40 and everything just breaks and you've got to rebuild it all again because the structures that you had between 10 and 40 just don't work when you've got many people. You know, then you get to kind of close to 100 and it's again, it's a completely different, different, different ball game. And um, when you're so, I think, for, I suppose, give you my, my view on it, when you're so involved in something from, from the early days and you're doing six or seven jobs and you're very involved in the operations in the day to day, it's really hard to remove yourself from that and, and to manage. Um, and I think that's, that's where, you know, it, that's a real, a real challenge at that point. And that was one thing, you know, very early on, I decided myself, I wasn't going to be a, a micromanager and I was going to try and, 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 and trust people um, and, and let them do, do, do the work. And I think one of the mistakes I probably made was that I didn't, um, we didn't focus enough probably on the, the training and actually onboarding in, in, in the early stages to kind of help people and set them up for, for, for success. So kind of probably maybe gone a little bit too far the other way, assuming people would have the skills and could come in and, and, and do it. So, you know, one of the big, the big learnings for, for us is, um, is to really, you know, make sure that everybody, when they come in now has like the, the training, they get a sense of the culture, they really understand the business before they, they start working. Um, but as you said, like now with, with 200, like it's a totally different, uh, ball game. Like we have a team of people that that's just what they do. We've a really, you know, skilled people team that are experienced in managing an, an organization of, of, of that size. So we're very lucky to, to have them. And I think from, you know, one of the, for me, one of the biggest, like, I suppose the most satisfying things is looking at the quality of people that want to join Glowbox and the, and the skills that they have and how talented they are, you know, and you're like, wow, that they, so it's just, it's just inspiring, I suppose, for me to think God that they want to join this company that we started and, and they're aligned with the mission and, you know, we're all moving forward to, together. That's, that's probably been one of the biggest highlights, I suppose, for, for me. Brilliant. And just one thing on, on Glowfox, just when you think of like software technology and apps, am I right in saying, Anthony, you're like, you can never just be happy with the product. It's always updating and developing. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's driven by two things like customer demands. So, you know, there's, there's like our, our compared to what our platform started at like six years ago compared to what it is now, it's completely night and day. But if you could ask like 50% of our customers, I'd say they'd still want another 10 things on, on top. So um, you have to stay ahead of that. As, and especially I think COVID was the, was the biggest example of it because we moved from an environment where nobody was doing like online bar, the online only companies to a place where every fitness business had to do a mix so we had to we had to pivot and and, and kind of and and react to to that, um, and sort of what what we're seeing now is that this you know, uh, bricks and mortar businesses are kind of turning into these kind of tech enabled places is what I call them. So I don't think anybody wants to that anybody that loves going to a gym or studio doesn't want a fully online experience. You know they 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 love training with other people. They love the community and that side of it but it's nice to have the option there if you're traveling for two weeks and you want to continue a program or if you can't get in that you could do a class online or something like that so we're seeing this sort of hybrid where um you know these studios are building more of a, a brand than just a bricks and mortar business so they'll have you know you can come in and do a class but if you go into our app you can find your nutrition you can find a workout you can do a kind of a pre-recorded video and then you can get content through through the app directly to you as well. 
And I think that's that's the way kind of the, the market leaders are going that, you know, we are living this hybrid life now of in real life and, and online. And I think fitness is just adapting to, to what the rest of the world, um, you know, has been heading towards. I don't know where it's all going to end up. I mean, some of the the um, the meta stuff is, you know, the metaverse stuff around fitness is, is quite cool when you when you see it. Um, I'm just not sure about exercise and the big set of glasses on my head just quite yet but I suppose as the technology evolves and it becomes a little bit easier I'd say it'll start to get more and more traction I think the gamers always lead the way if you look at what gamers are doing I think everything else always, always follows uh, follows their path yeah it's interesting I've seen that Lululemon did a, a big investment I can't think of the name of the company and it's a mirror that's interactive and fitness yeah, yeah. but just yeah it just it's it's so interesting to see how technology is evolving. As you say, fitness isn't just lifting a bar off the floor anymore. You know, it's adapting all things. If we park low Fox for one second, Anthony. Sure. Uh, and I assume as you're going along with Glow Fox, there's a little burning desire for event or you see an opportunity. Wellfest, let's, if we talk the, the start of that, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, um, so in... It was about 2015, I think it was. My uh, my wife um, came came to me, and, and herself and her friend were um, pl- uh, planning an idea for um, a, a wellness event, and they were they were talking to me about it. And um, I have to be honest here; it wasn't it wasn't my idea from the from the outset. But they they were talking about something pretty pretty big, and and they were both working full time, but they wanted it to be like a like a, we've had described like electric picnic for 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 fitness. Um, and I was just sort of like, I was like, you, you both really don't understand what take what it takes to run an event of, of this size. It's a huge commitment. You know, you're you're working full time. This is not just, you know, people showing up in a room and it's, it's over. Like you're talking about a lot of organizations. So um, they sort of started planting the seed with me anyway. And then uh, they obviously uh, over a while, I sort of got got in, in really interested in, in the idea. And, um, and yeah, as you said, it was that sort of nagging of getting back into, into events. And it was obviously very related to what I was doing at the time with, with Glow Fox. Um, so I kind of felt I could bring in a really good, strong Irish, uh, kind of instructor, um, profile as well and help, and help grow the event from, from there. So a lot of the early Glow Fox clients were some of the ones that we would have had running the, the stages. So, um, so yeah, so we decided to, to give it a go. Um, it was in, um, 2015 in, in Herbert Park in, in Ballsbridge. I don't know if anyone's listening, they know that park. It's a really, really nice, um, really nice park. And, um, I remember we launched it and it was, it was actually quite funny because it seems so like, why wouldn't you do that now? But in 2015, people were like, so what do I do? Do I just come along and watch people doing like watch instructors doing exercise classes or you know people just didn't understand and we were like updating the FAQs you know every day trying to explain like what this thing was and and then talking to sponsors as well like they just didn't have a clue as to what it was how to activate it and we were like oh this is this is going to really really crash and burn I remember the summer of 2015 just being so anxious because we put like we put all of our own money into it and uh you know, we hadn't sold any tickets and we had no sponsors. We had a good bit of online sentiment and traction around it, but that was that was pretty much um, that was pretty much it. And I just want to give a shout out to um, uh, to Glenisk. They've had a really, really tough, tough year. But um, the, the marketing team in there, Emma and the guys, they just they just they were the first ones to get it. And they were the first ones to say, yeah, look, we'll we'll support this. And I thought that was really 
kind of visionary for for them like to, to to be able to do that and then once you get one sponsor you're able to then say to another sponsor oh well Kraniska are on board and then that sort of helps you sell it so we ended up with a small a small cohort of, of sponsors maybe six or seven and and then the two weeks before the event tickets just started started selling so we ended up with about 900 or so maybe a thousand in 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 year one which we were disappointed in but in hindsight like trying to get a thousand people to do anything is a, is a big achievement so um so it, it went well we sort of covered our our, our costs and we kind of had enough ambition then to go on and and and, and do it from there so um it's up to now um in the last one was obviously 2019 we haven't been running it with the with the pandemic but we had um you know five thousand each day um in our new in our new location in in uh, in Kilmainham in 2019 and um and then this year we're hoping to be back it's looking good for 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 may so um and and also we're looking at doing an event in london as well this year so so it's it's grown really really well i think people you know you've been at it at a time i think people really really love it it's it's very very different and everybody feels it's a it's a really nice day out and it's you know it's it's a really feel good you know there's a great vibe to it and people just get get involved and exercise and enjoy themselves and pick up some some great information and it's just something that i love doing now and you know it's always such a great great feeling to be to be part of and fair play to you is because like in my opinion before that there was nothing yeah. Like unless you wanted to go to the pub, it was like what events or like it was it was around drinking. And I really do believe that. Just two things I picked up there, Anthony. Just talk to us about like I don't think people understand the amount of work that would go in for a two-day event. But like talk to us about the year, the 12 months, the six months beforehand for executing on a weekend event of that size. Yeah, so I think after the event ends, we usually take about a week or two. And then it starts immediately. So you're into straight away all the sponsors. You want to do a retro. How did they find it? What went well? What didn't go well? We'll do a survey straight out to same to the same to the punters and get and get their feedback. Um, and then really by you know it happens in May. Really by kind of mid mid summer, you're you're into planning again for for next year, trying to figure out okay what's new. How can we tweak the lineup? How does that work? And talking to sponsors again to try and get them get them secured and, and ideally you want to have as much of that done before before the year end so there's a constant stream of work then that happens after the event to sort of get it ready for 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 next year and then you know we we'd have tickets usually on sale from kind of black friday get ready all the promotion for that and and in december um as well for christmas um, and then once you're into the new year, then you're into, you know, booking, you know, something like 125 different, um, the, you know, uh, instructors or talent for, for the event that need to be managed and coordinated across all the stages. You could be, there's 25 sponsors. We have an area called the Well Village, which can be up to 45 individual traders. So you're talking about the logistics across all of that. Um, and then, you know, about a week or two beforehand you're into the kind of the site build and, and, and managing diet which is basically like a mini construction site for you know for that you're building for a week and um, for 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 a two-day event so there's no there's no real downtime um with with an event that size um and that's i suppose why we've decided to try and grow it out and have more events because it's going all year anyway it makes sense to try and add in some 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 more events 
Um, we've looked at trying to do more in, in, in Ireland and it just doesn't get to the same to the same size um, if we tried some regional ones, but it's, it was a challenge because it ends up taking away from the from the main event in, in, in Dublin and you need the size of it to, to make it to make it kind of work. And so and that's sort of why we're, we're looking to go to go abroad with it um, this year. Yeah. And Anthony, if I just jump back to, to your earlier story, um, Glenisk going, giving you the go ahead, that feeling. Yeah, no, it was it was brilliant. Um, it was it was just it was very validating, you know, that somebody could that believe in you. Yeah, exactly. That um, that they they got the they got the event, and you know that they were willing to sort of you know invest invest money um, in it because you know marketing budgets are like as you know, Tom, they're just like, they're they're tight always, and you need to show that return. So I'm sure there was a bit of an internal sell that they had to do was to say like. You know why, why? Why are we supporting this? What are they trying to do? But they just they just got it, and you know it was a real sort of you know high five kind of moment walking out of that that meeting and just feeling like yeah somebody is is back this year and and they've been amazing partners and um, ever since. And if you if you just jump back, I think it's so satisfying when you come up with a concept, and I can imagine you mentioned anxiety and stress leading up to the first well fest. But when you saw the ticket sales coming in, that must have been some feeling. Yeah, it, it was, and it, and it was great. Um, but actually, what the the feeling of, and I still love this. It's people running in the gate. That's that's like people come to Wellfest. They're in their group of really good mates, and they're just laughing and joking and having a laugh, and they just can't wait to get in there. To they're coming in for some class at nine o'clock, or they're going to get a smoothie or whatever it is, and it's just their faces. Like everybody is just smiling and having a laugh, and. You know, you couldn't have imagined it for a for a fitness event, in, an outdoor fitness event in Ireland that people would have taken to it the way they have. And it's it's just really encouraging. And that's that's the bit I love being at the front entrance and, and watching people coming in. Brilliant. And Anthony, just if so if we talk next steps for Wellfest, you, you mentioned London. Is this going to be New York, Dubai globally? Yeah, I think I think like that's that's the vision that we we have for it. I think it's a really it's a really strong brand and it resonates with people. Um so I think it's kind of step by step first is to see can we can we make it work um you know in another country and I think I think we can there's a lot of interest already in it in in London um, and then really seeing uh, after that where we would where we would go next brilliant um I'm gonna I've I'm gonna fire some quick questions at you if sure. you're unconscious yeah. of your time um what do you love about business what do you not like about business yeah I was um it's a it's a tough question I think you know, for me, um, what I love about business, I suppose, to summarize it is, I, I think you you mentioned it there a second ago. It's sort of it's creating something that didn't that didn't exist before, and that and that process of sitting down with people and trying to figure out, you know, what what we'll do, what we won't do, um, and then the the enjoyment of seeing it sort of resonate with people. Um, and you know, there's obviously there's things that you come up with that don't that don't work as well, and you know that's that's what it makes the moments when it does work even even better. So I think that's probably what I love. Um, what I love the, the 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 most about it, and I think the other side of it, which I mentioned earlier, is that you know the teams um, um, or you know that that join the people on the teams that join uh, Glowfox now. You know that they're you know effectively you know strangers up until they join the company, but then everybody comes together in a in a common purpose to try and achieve something and, and work together. And there's real magic in in that you know and sometimes when i look at the i'd be in a meeting and you look around the, the team the diverse backgrounds where everybody's coming from but 
such great synergy. And there's something, there's just something magical, like innately human about that. And, you know, when you step back and think about it, like it's really, it's kind of inspiring. Brilliant. And talking of inspiring there, is there any, you talk about your mother and father being entrepreneurial and probably giving you that bug. Is there any, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Or is there any mentor that's been along the way that's maybe directed you on the path? Yeah, like I, I was, I think in terms of the thing I, it's not really advice. It's something that I, I read that really resonated with me. And it's, it's sort of about the, the balance um, between when you, when you, when you um, start a company and every, and I think it's, and it's a very personal thing. I think everybody has to figure out what the, what the balance is, is for them or how they want to work. And, and I, I don't like the, you know, you need to start your day at 5am and do all this stuff because, you know, I work, I do my best work at night. I always have. Um, and I think that's, you know, if I try to follow that, what somebody is advising, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work for me. So I think figuring out balance, but what, what, what matters to you. And, and I love the, the, uh, the glass ball versus rubber ball, um, uh, story. So, you know, rubber balls are things if they, you know, if you drop them, they'll, they'll bounce back. Um, and then glass balls are things that like, if you drop them, they'll probably shatter and they'll be really hard to. To, to recover so glass the thing like glass ball for you would be like you know your your family your relationships your health um and then the rubber balls would be like if you don't hit your sales targets for one month you know you can roll up your sleeves and do them again but if your kind of relationships suffer they're a lot harder to to put back together so kind of using that framework as to how you you kind of find balance in your own life i think is a, is a really useful one and i definitely was was too far and uh, the other way in the early stages of glowpox to the point where i was just you know working way too hard uh, way way too kind of emotionally um in, invested in it and not giving myself the chance to to recover um and i think most people that start a company will probably talk about something similar because it's just so you know you're all all consumed in it and and i still am all consumed in it but i've sort of learned ways to be able to 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 manage that um a little bit better and give myself a bit more time for for some of the other stuff where in the early days I would have always picked a business meeting or something I had to do over going to the gym or you know doing something for myself where and now I try and be really strict it doesn't always work there are busy weeks where everything goes to the wayside you just have to go all in and that's just part of being a being an entrepreneur I think but if you can keep on track most of the time you will end up better energy you'll actually perform better and you'll actually feel feel happier and that's that's sort of a very long answer to that question, Tom. No, it's, it's, um, it's, um, the, um, I, that's the first time I've heard the rubber and glass ball analogy. That's that's brilliant. And it's interesting you say, I, I've listened to podcasts and books and 5am club, and it's very interesting. You're, you're, you're shouting from the rooftops like we had Keith Barry in the podcast, and he goes, he's the exact same, he thinks that's bullshit. He goes, Tom, sometimes I wake up at 11, 12 at night, might do an hour's work, go to bed, but it's more productive for the next day. He goes, and work to your own schedule. It's, you don't have to be doing this. So very interesting. And I would second that. Um, last couple of things here, uh, Anthony. I suppose, what's next for Glow Fox? I know I asked that question for Wellfest. Just tell us a little bit where Glow Fox is headed. Yeah, so um, I suppose you the the big the big goal that I suppose for what I'm what I'm working on um, right now is we're we're building out a, a dedicated um, franchise team, um, so that will have people that are specialised in franchise growth, franchise sales, and then also um, franchise um, support, kind of a global support team. So 
Um, a lot of our, our larger customers now are, are franchises that are starting to expand um, internationally from, from Ireland, from the US to, to everywhere. So we're building out a, a structure to, to be able to support that and having it, we have been supporting it up till now, but we want to build a lot of kind of in-house expertise um, around franchise and to be able to, to speak their language. So um, really, really excited about that. Um, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about and I've kind of looking forward to kind of driving the, the growth in that in, in, in Glowfox over the next year or so. Um, as, as a company, um, you know, we're, we're, um, we're going to probably double our headcount this year, which is another, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we've really ambitious um, um, growth aims um, for, for 2022. And so really everybody is sort of doubled down and trying to, trying to focus on that. Fantastic. It sounds exciting. And I wish you the best of luck with it all. Um, last two questions. If you could have a meal with five people dead or alive, who would they be? Yeah. Um, I was, I got asked a question similar to this and, um, it, I think there's two things you can think about. You got to think about what it's going to be a fun meal and are they going to be able to, to, to get on, to get on with each other. So, um, I'm going to, going to go with Bruce Springsteen who's my uh, all-time music hero. Nice. Um, Jurgen Klopp, who's, who's, who's saved me from the doldrums of being a Liverpool supporter okay. for <laughs> my adult life. Uh, Larry David. Do you know Larry oh, David? Yeah, I do. Curb your enthusiasm. And yes, Seinfeld, yeah. I'm a very big fan. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Johnson. I love The Rock. I find him Rock. really, really um, inspiring. His attitude is just so, so positive. And if you if you read some of his backstory, like he went through some, some massive disappointments when he was... When he was younger and he's just grown like an empire and then the last one is is on, i just had to go with someone on the spiritual side so i don't know if you know a person called jack cornfield he's a he's a meditation and, and mindfulness teacher he's one of the people who would have brought uh, traditional buddhism buddhism from the from the west or from the east to to the states so um, i thought he might have an, an interesting perspective on how everybody's living their their lives so far Brilliant. And Anthony, any book recommendations for any listeners or that has maybe helped you or stand out to you? Yeah, um, I think the the team um, management and the kind of the team um, ca- characteristics and how you work together is, is really, really interesting to, to me and trying to get get that right. Because I think, you know, for um, for businesses to be successful, the, the teams have to be successful. And there's a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's 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 really short. It's really uh, easy to read. It's kind of like a, a parable. It just tells the story of an actual team in a in a software company, um, and you know, uh, and um, what everybody is doing and where it's kind of fallen down and how they kind of earn to learn to be honest with each other and be transparent. And then they figure out that you know one person on the team kind of has to go. They're not the right fit, and that's a tough decision that people have to make as well. But it's a really, really good book. Um, anybody who's interested in sort of team building, I'd recommend it. It's very, very short, but that that's a really kind of opened my eyes to, to certain aspects of how we kind of behave in that team structure. Brilliant. And Anthony, where can we stay connected with Glow Fox and Wellfest and yourself and what's going on? Yeah, so um, all of the the normal, um, the social channels, the main one for 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 Glow Fox is um is is LinkedIn. We do a lot of our, our material on on there, but also on on Instagram. And then Wellfest is is primarily on on, on Instagram. So Ash, stay Wellfest. tuned. Hopefully, you'll be seeing one this year. Yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. All all going well. We will be back. And um, so I think tickets are tickets are on sale at the moment. If anybody's interested, I think we're going to be launching the 
the lineup um towards the end of the end of january so stay tuned for that fantastic listen thank you so much for your time it was great to hear your journey and story so far and as i say again i wish you every success in the future no worries great to talk to you tom thanks, thanks. cheers